All right, you guys are way too friendly. Way too friendly. If you could go ahead and find a seat. This morning, our scripture reading, uh, if you have a, a Bible or an electronic device, you'll find it in John's Gospel, chapter 13. All right, I'm going to stick pick, picking on people by name just because I can do that. Janelle? Haha. <laughs> hey, we're going to do our, we're going to go ahead and do our scripture reading. If you want to find your seat and turn to John chapter 13. The scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 13, starting with verse 1, 4 through 7 and 12 through 16. Again, John 13, starting with verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. In verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Good morning. My name is Erica, and uh, I am the pastor of um, Discipleship and Mission here at Community Covenant Church. Um, unlike the last time, I think, that I got up here and I announced myself as the uh, pastor of worship. Um, <laughs> I, we haven't changed jobs. I actually just completely got lost in what I was talking about. So um, I want to just kind of say something really quickly um, before we get going. Uh, this morning, I was standing in the back and um, looking around as people came in, and there's a different perspective when you stand in the back versus when you sit in the chairs. And there was something really beautiful happening this morning as life was happening around here. People were visiting with each other. People were singing. But I'm going to point something out. In the very back row, there was a young man who probably had a little bit too much Halloween candy. And he regretted it deeply, as did his family who had to leave. But I want to tell you guys something. 
Those of you who are sitting in the rest of this sanctuary this morning didn't know that any of that happened. And there were two, actually three gentlemen who quickly got up and served the family of God by taking care of that. They're not staff. They're not janitorial people. They were some, they were men who saw a need, as yucky as it was, and went and got what needed to be t- to take care of it. Now this morning, the sermon is about changing, shifting your perspective. Really, it's about not just being about yourself, but being able to see outside of yourself. And I felt like standing back there, watching these guys, and okay, I will admit I was grossed out. And I thought, oh, okay, I have to talk in like 10 minutes, and I don't want to be like, ugh. But these guys jumped to it. That says something about their heart. It says something about who they are. It says something to me about the way that the Spirit of God is working in their lives. So you guys, you know who you are. Thank you for serving your community. Thank you for serving the family of God in the small ways that no one will ever know who you are, but you do. And this afternoon, we're going to have an opportunity as a community of faith to thank Hank and Lil Pearson. And for those of you who don't know who they are as we're talking about them, in many ways, this church wouldn't be here without their faithfulness. Their willingness to say yes to God. Their willingness to step into a place and say, this community needs a church. And we are willing to be the seeds to plant that. I'm not going to forget about you guys. The Fondells are a big part of that as well. But I just, I want, I feel like when we talk about shifting our perspective... Being able to use real live examples that are right within us, that are sitting right next to you, are such powerful ways of looking at that. So for the last four weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Shift. And uh, as I was thinking about it this morning, um, how many of you guys, uh, oh, this is a great survey. Raise your hand if you can drive a manual transmission. Yes! (laughs) Now, I do have to point out that the average age is probably well over 30 on that one. Okay? So, you all will understand that when you are shifting, what do you need to do? You got to put the clutch in, right? So, in this... This morning, as we're shifting our perspective, I want you all to think of the Holy Spirit as the clutch. I want you all to think about engaging your hearts and your minds with the Holy Spirit and letting him press gently 
into those places so that that shift can happen. So will you all join me in prayer, please? Father, as we come together this morning as your family, as your community, we once again invite you to be here with us. As Tyler mentioned, when two or or more are gathered in your name, you are with us, Lord, and by faith we believe that. And we also believe that your spirit dwells within us, Lord, and that you long to speak to us through your word, through your presence, through others around us. And I pray that your spirit, Lord, would enliven us this morning to hear what it is that you have to say in the ways that we need to shift our perspective, in the ways that you long for us to do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going to make a confession to you guys. I, I actually didn't have this passage until late Wednesday afternoon. For a pastor that has to preach on a Sunday twice, that's a little nerve-wracking. It can be a little nerve-wracking. And as I was thinking about it, I was praying about it, as I was sitting in the office, because I kind of like to do a little bit of the communal sermon prep, um, asking people and pulling things out. And Remember that this is Communion Sunday. And a lot of times we do communion as an add-on, as a second, I don't want to say secondary, but we will have a sermon and then communion will be an additional part of the worship. But I felt like as we were talking about shifting your perspective, one of the most powerful things that happened with Jesus and his disciples was the shifting of the perspective of what happened at that meal. And so there are several different pieces of that that come out throughout the Gospels, but the part that I kind of wanted to focus on this morning, and I felt like it really worked with shifting your perspective, had to do with what Jesus was doing that night when he was interacting with his disciples as he was washing their feet. So when you look at the beginning of this passage in John 13, one of the things I want to point out to you in this first verse is the second sentence. It says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. So Jesus knows what's going on. He knows where he's about to head. And he is incredibly intentional with what he's doing with his disciples. He's very careful about making sure that everything that he is doing here is happening with intentionality. Now, I don't, I'm not using the 2011 NIV, um, so I have the older NIV. 
And one of the things that struck me, and some of you may have this, it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, give give you guys a little bit of background here. Foot washing is um, something that if you read through the Gospels, it was a practice. It was a Greco-Roman practice, okay, because roads were dusty, They weren't paved. They didn't have asphalt or concrete or anything. Most people walked around with sandals, and so their feet were dirty. And part of the tradition of going into someone's home was that there was water provided to wash your feet. Now, some of the reading that I've done said that the washing of the feet typically depended if you what your household was like. But typically what would happen is someone would give you water to wash your own feet. And I don't know about you guys, but, um, you know, I would much rather wash my own feet than have somebody do it for me. Okay? I, I mean, even pedicures freak me out. So, I just, it's just not something that's comfortable. Okay? But for most households, what would happen is they would give you what you needed and you would, you would wash your own feet. In wealthier households, they would have a female servant wash your feet. So the job of actually cleaning someone's feet was about as low as you could get. Because a female servant, often a young woman, that was about as low in the society as you could get. So imagine what it was like for Jesus' disciples to watch him take off his outer garment, pour water, and sit down in front of them and start washing their feet. Now, Pastor Todd, I'm going to tell on you a little bit. So he was in my office earlier this week, and I was telling him that this was the passage I was going to preach out of. And I said, and what I would like to do is invite you up on the stage and wash your feet. Now, Pastor Todd, who's normally pretty unflappable, went, no, you're not. (laughs) Which threw me off because I assumed that he'd be like, oh, that would be a beautiful illustration. That would be a wonderful thing. Uh Uh-uh. I mean, he was just like, no, you're not. We're not doing that. Come up with something else. Why? Because that's an intimate thing. In some ways, it's an awkward thing. It's something that is a weird part of exposure that happens. And here was Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And Peter, you gotta love Peter, because Peter's the guy that's like, no! Like Todd. 
Not that I'm putting myself in the place of Jesus. Okay, well, let me back up a little bit. But it's that place where we suddenly feel like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. And Peter's words to Jesus were, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, remember what I just said a few minutes ago. This was a slave job. Not only was it a slave job, it was a girl slave job. Okay? It was a low job. And Peter, being a man of his culture, of his society, understood that. And it's so interesting to see what Jesus said to him. Because Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Peter's perspective was one that you are my Lord, you are my God, I follow you, you are the Messiah, how could I let you do something like this for me? I can't, I can't let you do it, no. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Part of why I wanted to use this was because I think shifting our perspective has two parts to it. The first part is realizing that we need to be open to receiving Not just from God, because some of us, a lot of us, are willing to do this. We're willing to have our hands open and listen to God and be open to God. We're not always willing and open to God using other people to serve us. My guess is that most of us in this room are probably highly capable people in various places in our lives. Whether it's professionally, whether it's parents, whether it's business owners, whether it's just you've managed to live this long. (laughs) You've made it. Congratulations. But part of what has happened for many of us, for myself, and I will admit that this has actually gotten worse um, as a pastor in ministry, as a parent, you get to a place where you forget what it's like for someone to care for you. For someone to nurture your spiritual growth. For someone to say to you, hey, maybe you need to stop. Maybe you need to slow down. Maybe you need me to pray for you. 
And Peter was this high achieving guy. He was always going after it. And in that moment when Jesus said, I want to serve you. I want to serve you in a way that you don't even understand right now. Peter was unwilling to receive it. Until he said to, until Jesus said to him, Hey, if you don't receive this, if you're rejecting this, you're rejecting me. So this morning, I don't know if that's any of you. I know that a lot of times it's me. I get so caught up in, I don't know, life, busyness, the rat race, whatever you want to call it. I can't stop long enough to receive. So maybe that's where the Holy Spirit needs to push that clutch in for you this morning. And maybe for you, it needs to be that you need to be open to receiving the washing and the caring and the affirmation of the Lord. The second part that I want to point out moves on to the second part of the passage. Starting in verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He said, he asked them, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. So he's not denying his role. He's acknowledging. He is teacher. He is Lord. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So in the midst of my busyness, I'll even use the word chaos, not only am I unable to receive A lot of times, I don't see people the way that I need to see them. I miss things that are going on around me. Sometimes it's really simple things that I miss. Sometimes it's the fact that my teenager needs me to have a conversation with her. Sometimes it's that there is someone who I just don't have time for. In our society, we suffer from something called the logic of scarcity. 
Hmm. What does that mean? The logic of scarcity means that when we apply logic to what we have, when we look at the resources that we have, when I look at my money, when I look at my time, when I look at my talents, when I look at all the things I have, if I look at it and I count it up, my accounting friends will appreciate this. If I look at it and I count it up, right, and I have it in a bank, it's my bank of stuff, right? What happens if I start taking away from that? Do I have more or do I have less? Come on, guys. You have less, right? If I give Dave 10 minutes of my time, right? Because that's all I got. Janelle, 619, ready, go. Six minutes, 19 seconds, go. Todd, you're my boss. I'll give you 25 minutes. <laughs> right? I'm losing time. I'm losing pieces of my energy, right? Of my resources. So what makes the most sense? What's logical here? What's logical is that I need to jealously guard what I have. What's logical is that once I spend this, I won't have anything else left. So I need to make sure that the numbers add up, right? group of friends and I have been wrestling with this concept of the logic of scarcity and how that runs directly contradictory to what you see in Scripture. The logic of scarcity applied to Elijah and the widow with oil makes no sense because all the woman had when he showed up was a jar of oil. And that lasted years because there was a step of faith that was involved in that. And a lot of times when we enter into situations where someone needs something from us, when we're asked to give something, a lot of times we will do a couple of things. We'll say yes without making a wise assessment. Because let me tell you this, there is a huge difference between logic and wisdom. They are not the same thing. Wisdom is something that is given by the Spirit of God. Logic is something that happens inside of our head. So we will either say yes too fast... And drain because we are not giving out of the abundance of divine love that we've been given. Or we use the logic of scarcity and we say, I just can't because I don't have enough. And if I give you this, then I won't have. In this scene... 
with Jesus and his disciples, he says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. God came as a baby. Emmanuel. God with us. In this scene, is my time up? I have beeping going on here. God doesn't function the logic of scarcity. Jesus knew where he was going. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that it was going to be the most horrific thing. And yet he took time. And he shared a meal with his closest friends. And he washed their feet. And he loved them well. He didn't say, hey guys, um, look, I'm on a timetable. Can we just, can we, we break this up? You know, let's be, let's be efficient about this because I'm going to the cross and this is going to be really bad. I, you know, he didn't. He was fully present. He was with them. As we are Invited to shift our perspective. I think the invitation is both to receive what is being offered to us and to give out of what we have received. This morning, as we take And receive communion. We are reminded of that place. I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to imagine... What it is to be offered the bread of life. As Jesus offered it to his disciples, he took it and he broke it and he said, This is my body broken for you. Given to you. And as he takes the cup and he pours it out and he offers it to you, saying to you, This is my blood shed for you.
for the cleansing of your sins, for the washing of your souls. The song said Jesus paid it all. And that night he knew that that's what was going to happen. And he shared with his disciples. As he shares with us 2,000 years later. This is a table of celebration. It is a table of grace. It is a table that says, come and receive, but not just for you, so that you may give. Let's pray. Jesus, that night, you shifted the perspective of a few men. And over 2,000 years, You have shifted the perspective of the world. May we, as your disciples, as your followers, continue to both receive what we have been given in and through your death and resurrection. And may we give that out, Lord, to others, to a hungry desperate and lonely world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Going to um, have the worship team come up. And there are communion stations. Um, There's two in the front and there's two in the back, I believe. Um, As you go to the table...